Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. What is up, folks? As we roll in here, welcome to The Sell Better Daily Sales Show. I'm your host today. My name is Will. This is my first ever hosting of a Sell Better show. I've done a ton of shows in the past as a guest. Today, I'm in the hot seat and making other people shine. That's the plan. But as you come in, drop in the chat. Where are you coming in from? Love to call out some places in the chat. Uh, especially if y'all are Canadian, represent, or British, represent. These these two gentlemen I've got with me today to help present this topic have been gloating about Chicago and how amazing it is. So let's get some love for the Canadians out there. Atlanta, Georgia, that is a, that's 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 close enough to Canada, I guess. Calgary, there we go, Kyle. Alberta, represent. Richmond, Virginia, that's where I got engaged. Love to see it. David, also coming in from Calgary, Alberta. Mana in Hawaii. I bet it's warm there right now. Jealousy through the roof. Um, just let a few more people tour in here. London, London, Ontario, London, United Kingdom. Either one is a win in my book. Uh, I'm just here to offend anyone who's American who's joined today. I do apologize. I'll drop that one for now. But yeah, thank you ever so much, everyone, for joining in here today. Got a super exciting topic, and I could think of no two less great people to help me kick off the first of the sales show that I'm hosting than the two gentlemen who have joined me here today. So welcome very much to Tom. Uh, is it Alamo? Am I saying that right? You nailed it. Alamo is an easy, easy insult. Lamo. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, school school was rough. Don't worry, Aiken didn't get 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 me very far either. And also Alex Newman. How you doing, Alex? Hey, hey. Thanks for inviting me. Beautiful. No, thank you for joining. Um, so just a couple of things, housekeeping pieces. This is a daily sales show, which means every single day there is a show on sales sell better on a different sales topic, whether that's closing related, prospecting related. For example, tomorrow, Leslie Douglas is hosting a session on LinkedIn prospecting. So if you're trying to book more meetings of a social, be sure to check that out. I'm sure Maria will drop a link in chat if you're not already registered for that one. And of course, you can check out all of our other content and media on our YouTube channel, LinkedIn page, follow us across all the channels. Um, this is recorded. Don't you worry about that. So there will be a recording afterwards if you need to drop off or you want to share this because it's going to be so much full of value that you're going to want to send this to your entire team, to your sales leaders, to your sales reps, if you are a sales leader. Um, also want to say a big thank you to our partners and sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Magical. If you haven't checked out Magical before, it's a tool that I've used in the past. It's basically, do you like not like copying and pasting? Gets a bit overwhelming, doesn't it? Just always copying and pasting. Magical does the whole thing for you. So if you, whether you're building lead lists or entering information into your CRM, allows you to quickly copy and paste fields from one browser tab to another. My favorite way to use it is to quickly copy and paste my Canva link so I can put that in there rather than having to go to Chili Piper or Canonly and grab that and copy it. Super big time saver for me in the past and I still use it today. It's been installed probably the oldest extension I have installed on my own browser. But let's talk about the topic of today. So today we're going to be talking about sequences. Before I jump in though, I always like to get a read for who's in the room. I want to know makeup of the folks. I'm going to launch a quick poll here, get an idea about who's here while I run for the agenda. But we're going to be talking about how you can build a 10-step sequence, the 10 steps to build a sequence from scratch, how you might use different sequences, the channels and messaging that you use those sequences, how to make sure they're relevant and not spammy. We've got a ton of tips planned for that. We've got a couple of sequence templates that both our guests have kindly provided that they're going to walk through so you can take some of the ideas you like um, and maybe watch up some of the mistakes that we'll walk through as well. And then, of course, talking about the different channels, how to make the most use of those in your sequences. 
So doing a quick poll here. Who's in the room? We've got SDR, BDR, AE, Frontline Manager, Senior Leadership, or other, aka Marketing, RevOps. But we got HR. If you got here and you're in HR, I don't know what happened, but uh, well. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be HR appropriate. <laughs> You'd be like, my favorite sequence is the one where you don't put us in one. That would be the HR <laughs> tip. <laughs> All right. Great. So just have a quick look at the poll result, and then we will jump into our first topic. So it looks like we've got mostly SDRs, BDRs here. Well, actually, mostly AEs. That's great to see. A lot of folks going full cycle these days with their outbound sequences. That's great. Using these rights should allow you to close deals and book meetings. Next up is SDR, BDRs, frontline managers, senior leadership. So some tips that you should be able to share with your team here today as well. In the chat, let us know if you're not one of those categories. But that's a whole lot from me and not enough from two folks I've got here today to talk about this topic. So let's jump into our first topic, which is before we think about sequences, we got to think about who we're going to put into the sequences and why. So how we're we actually going to keep our sequences relevant. And so I'm going to throw it straight to you. How might you think about sequencing based on what persona you're reaching out to? Uh, and making sure that's relevant regardless of what title or level of leadership you're aiming for. Yep. Yeah. So in my experience from anything that I've sold, you know, it's, there's typically multiple personas that I might sell to, right? So for example, I used to sell at Gong. Someone that might be interested in Gong could be a VP of sales. It could be someone in RevOps. It could be a sales manager. It could maybe be someone in marketing or customer success. What I want to do is I want to focus my prospecting efforts to the problems that each of those people might have and how I might be able to solve them. And so the, the each persona has a much different problem that they care about if you were to talk to each of those three or four people. And so because of that, I want to separate my sequences as such. So my messaging is going to look a little bit different for that VP versus the sales manager. Same if I was selling to IT or HR, it doesn't matter. You most likely have multiple personas that you're trying to get into and uh, need to speak to them accordingly. That's really good advice and something that I see not a lot of reps doing as much as they should. Alex, second point here is above the line, below the line, which really relates to that. How might you switch up your messaging based on if you're talking to, let's say, someone in the C-suite versus someone who's maybe at that manager direct level? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you want to look at it and actually understand the roles themselves. And I, I think that this is going to be the key to kind of couple with what Tom is saying if you were to take the same message that you're going to write to a company and just copy and paste it to you of VP, RevOps, marketing, seller, manager, you're going to get a lot of people who are just going to ignore it. They're kind of their personal spam filter is going to be out and see that it's not really relevant to them at all. The other thing that actually is going to work against you a lot is if there is any actual interest, what oftentimes happens is people will just click forward and send it to the person who they think would be interested or additionally interested. And if they see that you're like, oh, hey, I got the exact same email, more times than not, they're just going to say, you know what, forget it and just delete it and move on because it's just a bot or what appears to be a bot that's actually writing it. And it's really important inside your messaging. So when you understand your personas, when you go above or below the line, essentially what that means is, do you actually understand who it is that you're reaching out to and what they care about? So for example, the higher up in an organization you go, they care about forecasting and projections and uh, metrics and understanding like the larger picture of things. The lower you go, they really care about like, how does this help me specifically sell? 
or how do I coach my reps better or something like that when it comes to gong. So it's really important in your messaging itself, based on who you're talking to, it has to be relevant specifically to them. Otherwise, you're just going to get a message deleted or ignored. Absolutely. love that breakdown there as well. The people who, the, the, the HR recruiter is going to care about something very different to the CHRO. Um, I don't know why I'm focusing on HR so much today. They're on my mind. Uh, They're easy to pick uh, on HR. <laughs> uh, there's also the point like, uh, Tom, uh, people obviously have an idea of the ICP generally, you know, the titles, the company sizes, the industries that they sell to. I've seen a, 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 thrown, a, a term that gets thrown around, but not really defined that often is triggers. And I know these get used a lot in tandem sequences. How do you define a trigger? So I define a trigger as something that is that would lead me to believe that someone is a higher priority to reach out to them specifically. So I'll give a couple examples. You know, one might be uh, if someone that used to work at a customer of yours left and went to a new company uh, that's in your territory, that might be a trigger. Uh, if you help to uh, say onboard new people, your your technology helps to onboard new employees and someone a company is hiring, that could be a trigger. If someone went by your booth at a trade show and had a five-minute conversation with uh, your your CEO there, that is a trigger, right? And so I want to treat those people differently than just if I was sending a cold email to anyone else because I have, I have this information. We have some sort of a connection in some way, um, and I want to use that to you know, to, you know, uh, really like take to, to my advantage so I can have a higher conversion rate. And so you can alter your sequences to make sure that you're personalized based on something that is, is externally happening that you know about your prospects. I love that. And I like the last point you've called out about personalization as well, because people often hear personalization. They think that means going on someone's LinkedIn profile before you send them an email, let's say. And that, 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 that is appropriate in some cases for sure. But a lot of the triggers you just mentioned, you can apply to several people, which means that there's messaging as long as you're not sending it to several people at the same organization and falling into that trap that we just kind of mentioned there of eight people's emails going off and getting the exact same message from you. It can still be relevant to multiple people if you use those triggers in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and those tie in nicely to the pain points. Are there any um, triggers, Alex, that, 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 that Tom didn't mention there that you're a real big fan of? Or maybe even if you were a rep, how might you go about figuring out which triggers are worth targeting people on? Because I don't think they're all equal based on what you sell. Um, I, one that I always t- uh, tend to look at is hiring. Um, so if they're hiring for a specific role and you can look at the responsibilities, one is look at that and say, okay, they're actually hiring for someone because they see that it's a problem internally. Uh, the other thing is, is you can actually use the language that they have written inside of their job description in your outreach. And so it's kind of using the words that they use. I think that's a really powerful one. Um, if you look at it, if you're selling to like public companies or anybody that posts kind of like public information, uh, to be able to use that type of thing, if they're talking about a problem, if they're talking about some kind of an investment, um, I would look and see, like, I always Google not only their personas, but also like anybody who's in the C-suite, oftentimes they're in podcasts or in events that have been recorded and then posted online or in, in uh, YouTube or anything. And you can get some really good like solid information that you can use as your quote-unquote trigger information. 100%. Can I add one nugget there, Will? Please do. Uh, and we're going to get to like some sales sequences later. And, you know, I think every it's important to say that there's no silver bullet with any of this, that not, not one thing that's going to work for everyone. But I, I would just suggest that everyone that's listening, 
to treat this like you know, sell like they're a scientist, right? Mm -hmm. or, or use some data. So if you're a BDR, go back to the last 20 meetings that you set and figure out why did they take the meeting? If you were an AE, go figure out why do people buy or why did people take the initial meeting with you? Like on average, the you know, last 10, last 20. And if you find that, wow, a lot of my pipeline's coming from this event that we did, or a lot of them's coming, like Alex said, like these are teams that are hiring you know, X persona, and that seems to be a really good trigger. That is where you should prioritize. I wouldn't just base it off of like, oh, it seems like that could be a good thing, like funding, you know, like give me your money. You got $20 million in funding. It sounds good in theory, but every sales rep thinks that way and everyone's going to be different for their company. So I, I would suggest for everything we talk about, like check your data, make a hypothesis, and then like, you know, do experiments like you're a scientist. I love all this experiment matter that as well. One, one thing to add to that real quick is I think a lot of, lot of sellers would put that on like RevOps or the sales manager or somebody to say, hey, you should go talk to you know, the, the customers that we have, or they should be surfacing that information. Bullshit. Like you take your job and throw it over your shoulder and say, this is my commission. This is my career. Go figure it out. Like if you're the only one on your team that goes and figures this out, fine. You're going to blow everybody out of the water, but like go take action and figure out what all go talk to your entire customer success team. Go look at every single deal and every single meeting that the top reps are having and just interrogate them in a positive way around what is it that they're doing? What messaging re resonates? How, what, what is the problem statement or what is the thing that they're getting hooked onto for all these deals that kind of move through the funnel? Whether it's SDR, full cycle A, doesn't matter. Like take control of the role for yourself and you're going to just skyrocket throughout your career with that type of intensity and action. Like, you brought the fire today, my friend. Thank you for that. Going on. And um, <laughs> I, I think that's a really good point about accountability. And and just as a seller, knowing this skill of like, oh, if I see this, that it means this pain point or challenge is more likely. Knowing that makes you a way more advanced seller than just kind of going on old pile. And like your rev ups, your marketing team, they're, they're very helpful resources, but it's almost better when you can figure this out yourself. So you know why you're reaching out to and why they might resonate with them, because those are the questions that we need to be asking ourselves to make sure that they're not selling. Uh, I heard someone say this recently, a lot of sellers are selling unconsciously. When you're awake and you're alert and you're knowing and being intentional about your actions, you're going to be so much more effective, but also more uh, sound more intentional when you reach out to people as well, which is half the battle sometimes. Yep. Before we jump into some examples, some steps, and I know this wasn't, we didn't, we didn't prep for this, but have you ever played the game where you have to keep coming up with ideas until someone runs out and then they lose? Yes. Have you, have you ever done that one? Do you want to have like an impromptu game of that where we just go through triggers just to give some people ideas because every industry is going to use different triggers based on your products you got to know which ones if you look at your crm if you look at those means you booked but just to get people think about some the changes that might be happening that could lead us to target someone in a sequence so do you want to just run through to triggers till we run out let's do it see what we can do alex you're going first <laughs> uh well do i get to pick one that's on here headcount no, you're not allowed any of the ones today. in fact i'm going to kill the screen okay um, I would say um, I would look at like Glassdoor reviews or any type of reviews uh, site and look at actually what people are complaining about. And if that is something that you can help with, that's a pretty solid trigger. Tom, I like that. I go uh, closed loss opportunities in your CRM in the last 18 months. Another great trigger. Another reason to put someone in a sequence. I'm going to go for 
very similar to yours, Alex, but G2 reviews, if you're selling to software companies and they're getting negative reviews for something that you can help them solve, support wait time, bugs, and those G2 reviews is a trigger, negative or positive. Um, I guess I just flip side of that with Tom is take a look at all your closed one opportunities and take a look at like, what is the number one priority or number one pain point or business initiative and just tack onto that and use that for relevance in your messaging. Right. Tom, you're not running dry yet, are you? No, no, no. I would go for, uh, I would go for any company that you see on a study testimonial or famous customers for any of your competitors. Love that. Uh, especially if you've got some real good landmines that you yep. know that those co competitors aren't servicing the customers well. If you have people switch in, look for the reasons that they're switching and don't maybe say, hey, I know you're using this company. You can leave those pain points that the, the, their lack of functionality or service might not deliver. And I'm not buying time here, I promise. A lot of people, took, we already talked about headcount increase. A lot of people don't realize you can use the negative things as well, the opposite of that. So if they've had layoffs, headcount reduction or in high employee turnover, Depending on what you do, that could be a great reason to reach out as well. Um, I would go through um, anything as far as like M&A or expansion. So if you're going to open up new offices in new cities or in new um, cities, states, countries, whatever it is, um, if you're buying companies, um, yes, when you do M&A, there's often consolidation, but that opens up a whole new level of junk that happens. So yeah. There's all kinds of opportunities. Those those are some good ones. How about if you're if you're a venture backed or PE backed company? How about any companies that are at all in the portfolio or connected to anyone that's invested in your company? If someone's invested in you and they believe in your company, then they are more likely to make an introduction because they think you can help other businesses in their portfolio. Ooh, that's a good one. And I, we could keep going all day here. And I I, I recognize I probably bit off more like a tree of this one, so I'm going to do one more. <laughs> If you sell any kind of marketing outbound, uh, a marketing solution, whether it's an agency or design services, and you see someone's even rebranded or changed their website or made a logo change, there's going to be great opportunities to jump on that to help amplify their new brand or help them with those changes. But as I said, we could keep going all day. And if we have time at the end, we can go back to those. And if y'all have any questions, please use the Q&A tab as well. We'll make sure we get to those as we go. But I want to share a little cheeky actual sequence Tom, you shared ahead of time of yeah. how you might actually, you know, tactically deliver our sequence. Can you walk us through what this this looks like and when you might use it? Yep, yep. So, um, I've got I've got three. Uh, do you do you mind going back one slide? I'll go I'll go through them real quick. Oh, whoops. Yep, there you go. Cool. So I've got three, depending on what we're talking about. So if it's very cold, um, and I don't have one of these triggers we're talking about, uh, I'm going to hit them with a pretty standard cold sequence. I think it's 13 steps. Uh, the, the TLDR here is that it's multi-step, it's multi-vehicle, meaning there's email, there's phone call, there's voicemail, there's LinkedIn because my buyers are there, uh, and there's a video. And what I'm really focusing on is in each part of the sequence, I'm focusing on different problems. So if I imagine that my buyer might have three problems that I can solve, I find that to be typically true. There's, there's a few different problems. I want my first part of the sequence to be about one problem the second one to poke at a, another one, and the third to poke at a final one. So I'm going you know, pretty hard into uh, each of these and, and multi-touch. As we go to the second sequence, uh, you'll notice that it's shorter. It's used as a trigger. This is an example just of someone that was a job changer, former customer, landed at a new company. 
because we have some familiarity, uh, I'm shortening it up. I'm getting more targeted. I'm not spending as much time and as many touches because I'm more likely to get a response on some of these first few. But you'll see there's still emails, calls, LinkedIn, maybe a video in there. So I'm still being multi-vehicle. And then if we get to the third one, Will, um, I call this the stovetop because in uh, I'm an uh, I'm Italian. And so on Sundays in the Italian culture, grandma's by the stove. She's cooking up the sauce. Uh, it's going all day long, the Sunday sauce. And so what I want to do is keep people warm. So for anyone that I lose a deal with, anyone that, you know, no shows an opportunity, anyone that's like that was warm and didn't become a customer, I'm putting them in this sequence. And once every 30 days, I'm going to get in touch with them. And it's not going to be about, hey, will you take a meeting with me, Will? It's going to be like, hey, Will, I saw this third party report from Salesforce about X or, you know, Gartner put out top things that CISOs should care about in 2024, thought this would be helpful based on some of our conversations. Let me know if I can help with anything else. And you probably won't get much on the first one on this, but after three, six, nine months of doing this, adding value, making deposits without looking for a withdrawal, you're going to start to get people that respond and say, wow, the timing's good now. Thanks for staying in touch. We just had an exec meeting and I thought of you. Let's set up a, a call. And that happens all the time now that I've been doing it for a while. So I just went off there for a second. Man, that was, you went off, but in a good way. Uh, I learned about your, your heritage and, you know, <laughs> having meatballs on Sundays, right? Love the stovetop lead. You even waved in a couple more triggers there in a way. You said, lead, lead to you. Man, I've been working with, but didn't buy or deals that might be lost in a while in the past. Keep them warm, 100%. And that deposit as well, chef's kiss as they might, your, your, your grandma might, <laughs> might, and I don't know, the pigeon thing. We've got a couple of questions here. Uh, just based on what we just shared on the screen, Brad was like, uh, you, you mentioned there's a couple of steps in there for bump emails. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example of what one of those might look like? Yeah. Uh, so the, the basic example of a bump is you reply to the first email that you sent and a, a basic one might just be like, hey, hey, Will, any thoughts on the above? I like to add a little bit of color there. And so if I have a bit of research, hopefully I've done a little research and I uh, or have a trigger, I can use that and I might say, hey, Will, Based on, uh, you know, the the post I saw about you hiring 10 SDRs, dot, 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 any feedback on the above just goes like shows that I gave like at least like, you know, a little bit of a shit about like the prospect and yeah. still only takes me 30 seconds to remember that because I already did the research. So that's uh, that's what I mean by a bump. Love it. I like that you didn't just say bubbling this up or bumping this up. You, you re restate the context. One thing you also mentioned, uh, which I really liked, is not only did everyone see, you know, there were so many different channels that you were mixing up in that, you mentioned that you were going to hit on a different problem in each of the emails as well. I assume to try to give yourself the best chance of resonating there. How might you think about, because a lot of the time when us as sellers get into sales uh, and we join a company, they give us a bunch of product training, they never give us the problem training. How might you think about breaking out those problems or figuring out which problems are worth talking about in your outbound sequences? Yeah, I mean, I, I run people through an exercise. I've shared this on the Sell Better, and I think they have a, a we could we could resurface a resource. But um, uh, essentially, what I what I do is is uh, you know think about well, if you know what the problems are uh, that the, that your customers have, then you can you can line those out. If people don't know what they are, especially if it's like early stage company and you're still figuring that out, I would ask customers. Uh, you might go to G two if you have reviews on there. You might go back to call recordings of deals that have closed or things like that. You might ask your CEO or sales leader if you have one uh, around like 
what, wh- who are we, what problems are we solving? And, um, you know, if you're at an established company, it should be pretty obvious. And if you're at a very early startup, then you might need to take some educated guesses and, um, and, and start to line those out. And my, my guess is that if you're focusing on the problem and you're prospecting and not getting responses, um, it could be that you haven't chosen a specific or good enough problem and you might need to keep like refining what that is. Absolutely. And to, to, to double down on that, I once got berated by Gap Salazar for Keenan. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people, when you say, what problems do you solve? Well, they go, well, we help you get more. We improve this. That's not really solving a problem. What you want to be looking for is, is like reduce, stop, prevent all these things, bad things that happen today that your product might actually be able to, to help with. We've got a couple of questions here that do relate to something that I know Alex is absolutely buzzed to talk about. Uh, so I'm going to hold on to those for a little bit longer, but I promise we will get to those other questions. And if you have any more as we go, Please do let us know. That slides here. Give me a in the button. There we go. So, so Alex, this is your your sequence. Um, could you could you do the same thing? Walk us through your thoughts here. Uh, yeah. So I, the the point of this in in the next couple of slides is designed to be able to highlight the different types of sequences that you're you're able to send. So this is very much of what I would call a clustered approach, where you kind of have a number of activities in in a day or two days and then you skip a couple of days or up up to a week and you can extend the time in between that but what you want to do is you're you're trying to hit them in a in a frequency like pattern and then give them a little bit of time to actually respond just because we know that timing is such a big key and then hit them again and then give them a little bit of time and then hit them again you can see very similar to what tom talks about where this is multi-channel so you see there's calls there's emails there's social, there's video, there's all kinds of different things. Um, it's not to say that you need to use all this. I definitely recommend at least using two, if not more, uh, but go with what your strengths are. Um, it, in this specific example, I start with a call and you'll see on day nine that I, I back it up with a video. Now you can flip it to the next slide, which is essentially kind of vice versa, where you start with a video and you can see that there's calls and emails later. You can change it up. So the, the the whole point here is is you you have to have a strategy with your sequence and to why you do what you're doing. Now you can see that these are 30 day sequences. There's a number of different touch points inside here. If you feel that it's too much or you don't feel like you have enough um, strong content, this is not about checking in and following up and looping back and bumping up and all that kind of crap. It's really about do you have something of value to be able to say. And if you find some what I call content pillar pieces that you can use, you can strip apart an entire ebook, podcast, talk, whatever you want into a bunch of little snippets that you can use inside of the actual sequence itself. But the point of this is to be able to show you can take different approaches. In this case, you're using a video message. There needs to be a little bit of uh, understanding and context because with a video message as day one, Some people are going to go, wait a minute, I can't skim it. I have to listen to it. It's a little bit too much and people might not, might might just kind of back out of it. So you could look at it from a strategy point of view and say, you know what? I am actually looking at people who I've engaged with on LinkedIn before I actually do a video or something like that. And that there's a little bit more context there. But you can see that this is also a clustered approach. Where if you go to the next slide, then the, the whole point of this is not to say that this is what you should do, but the design is to say that this is what I would call a fast start into a slow finish. 
Now, there's no video, there's not a lot into this, but it's very much like in the first eight days, you have half of the activities. And then over the next, next what is it, like 40 days, you essentially just have a couple of emails spaced out. The whole point is, is you need to run different plays and different strategies for different scenarios that you have. So it could be, could be people that are active on social. It could be people that you have had in closed loss. It could be people who are educated about the problem versus people not educated about the problem. So the whole point of this is to understand whatever mechanism that you use and whatever sequence that you use, make sure that you have an actual reason and a strategy as to why you're doing what you're doing. Too often I see sellers in whatever capacity just go, well, I decided to pick day two to do this and day three to do this and day five to do this. But if you're not actually thinking it all the way through strategically, you're just kind of randomly doing a bunch of activities without any any strategy or purpose to it. That's um, a really good point and does kind of answer one of the questions we got in the chat here, which is um, how often do you get blocked, marked as spam during sequences? Uh, which to me is like, okay, the goal of this is to spam someone. It's not to hit them with 100 emails and get them to report you as spam. And that's why we spoke about the triggers and make sure these are relevant and targets to the right type of buyers because that's only going to reduce that amount. Like when we start saying like if we sell like a, a custom success tool and we come out and someone say, hey, I, I couldn't help but notice you've got some negative reviews on G2. That could be as a result, you know, something mentioned slow wait times. Could that be because you're having everyone self-serve rather than um, go to your customer success team rather than self-serve? In those cases, that's a targeted email. That's much less likely to get reported spam because it couldn't have been sent to anyone and it's clearly for that person. Are there any other things you think about just to try and avoid uh, those spam reports? Because I know deliverability is a big topic and uh, people are worried about that these days. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess the first thing I'd say, if you're using the phrase, what do I need to do to spam people? I would say stop what you're doing um, and come up with some some actual quality inside. I think I think the key to this is Yes, you want to hit multiple touch points. Yes, you want to hit multiple channels. But if you don't have anything of value, don't do it. Like, I think that's the easiest, like, advice that I can possibly give. And the time that you would spend putting them into a sequence and bumping and checking in and all this other stuff, like, go spend that time and educate yourself about the actual roles so that you can do something of value inside of the content yourself. From there, I would look at it, like, one of the things that I always say is read your email out loud like read it out loud and see if you uh, actually speak like that uh our our third fifth tenth grade teachers would probably all hate us today because you don't write emails specifically prospecting emails the same way you write essays and book reports and all that kind of stuff so that that style of writing just needs to get put on the shelf for a minute uh so read it out loud and ask yourself is this going to be something that is in your voice and how you actually speak the other one is, is if you have the title of the person that you sell to in your company, go send your email and your sequence to that person and ask them if they would actually respond to it or open it. Like that is some form of just being strategic. Like sure, certainly you can look at that as cheating, but that's cheating in like a positive way, in the right kind of way, in the right context. So I think it's really important to be able to create a sequence that is actually relevant in some kind of way. And so the fourth piece that I really focus on is talk about relevance over personalization any day of the week. Like I get that we both went to University of Colorado and go buffs and coach prime and the whole nine yards. 
But if that's all you got, and then you just like randomly switch to some other like topic and it has no connecting of the dots, I'm just going to delete it out of sheer like you just wasted my time. And so when you hit relevance, that means that you understand me, my role, you understand what I'm dealing with. That's going to supersede any kind of personalization. Now, if you can do both, great. But if you have to pick, focus on the relevance because then you actually understand who the hell you're talking to and what you're trying to accomplish. Tom, you got a good ones here too. Yeah, Tom, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. And also, if you could, there's another question about templated emails, which I think kind of relates to getting reported spam. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on on using templates. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with anything Alex is saying. I just put something in the chat that tactically, uh, you're more likely to end up as being flagged if you have links or videos or or GIFs or anything in a first email in particular. So uh, that, that includes like a calendar link, that includes a case study link. So um, I don't include any of that on a first email. Um, and then maybe you can you can work them in later into your sales sequence. You want to get into that primary inbox first. Um, as it relates to tech, I want to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt. One, it, I have one huge, huge pet peeve as a seller. Talk to me. Or as someone who receives a lot of solicitation. Do not put your freaking calendar link in the email. You're asking for their time. You do the freaking work. Ask for their calendar. You can add your calendar link down the road if it's that big of a deal, but you are asking for their time. You do the freaking work. Stop putting your calendar. This person is not going to go, thank you so much for helping me book time with you so you can sell me your stuff. I really appreciate it. This is such a wonderful gift that you're giving me. Like, come on. Like, if I if I have no idea who you are, I have no idea what you're talking about, maybe I understand the problem a little bit, and you just shove your calendar link in me in front of my face, I am going to say no just because of that. I don't care if you are going to give me a million dollars in unmarked bills. The answer is no. I'll go find the million dollars someplace else. I'll take I'd like it on the record. Give it to Tom. Million dollars in bills. Well, yeah. If anyone's got a calendar link for that, I'm booking. Um, <laughs> that's a really good point as well. I would, I would argue, like, not only should you not be using a calendar link as a CTA, but when was the if you've got one in your signature, your signature takes an impact on your deliverability as well. So you're putting like eight links in your email. It's much more like the good spam than it's got one link in there, right? Yeah. When was the last time someone clicked that button in your calendar in your signature? Book an appointment with me here. It probably happens a lot less often than it actually hurts you. I actually did an A-B test when I was running with an agency once. We sent the exact same email after an event. Not the exact same, it was tweaks. We tried to personalize it where applicable, but the event was the trigger in this case. And he took half the list and I took the other half the list. My open rate, back when open rate measurement was a little bit more accurate, was less than half of his. We used the same subject formula, framework, preview text. Only difference was I had that signature link, a link in my signature and an image of my face as well, which no one really wants to see that much anymore. So I'd clean that up as well, which is a little actual tip for deliverability. But Tom, Alex, you told us how you really feel there. I feel like yeah. that, was, that was a little bit. Sorry. Also, <laughs> I hide my feelings. No, never. That's why we brought you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the one thing on the calendar link, it, I wouldn't put it on the first email, but if Will responds to my email, is like, yeah, I'd like to learn more. I, I would, what I generally do, by the way, is just say like, hey, that sounds great. Um, you know, do any of these times work on Thursday? Uh, let me know if not, by the way, if it's easier here, you know, here's a link or I'm happy to go off yours. So I can, I give them kind of options, but anyways, that's not really the extent of the question. The question was about templates in emails. And, um, I say, 
I'm pro partial template. So I'm not sending out like a blank 100% templated email, but let's think about this, right? I'm selling to uh, a CIO, right? And I've done my homework on the three main problems that CIOs have, right? I've Googled, I've gone to Gardner, I've asked ChatGPT, I've got it nailed, I figured it out. Um, most CIOs probably have one of those three problems, not not 100%, but a lot of them do. So the body of my email is going to be focused on that problem that many CIOs have and a way that I might solve that. Customers I've worked with, generally, how am I helping people solve that problem? And then where I'm going to add the personalization is at the top, or I might add it also as like a PS at the end of the email. And so I'm, I'm doing a manual email, but I don't need to write every single email from scratch when I have a proven kind of like body that works. Um, now, I'll, I'll probably add more or less personalization for someone in the C-suite versus a manager title um, because, you know, a C-suite meeting matters a lot more to me. Um, but I'm, I'm pro partial template as long as it's focused on the problem and not just like why you're so great or, or the features and benefits of your product. Yeah, basically the template is for that person, for that reason, for that problem that's specific to them. It's not a template that you could just send to 100,000 people at once. I think that's what people get mixed up with templates. It's okay to template stuff. Like It's okay to have like stuff that goes out automated. As long as it's in like an automated sequence that's got the right people in it that you know it's going to resonate with or more likely to resonate with, right? So don't be afraid of being a bit more efficient by using those templates. Now, we got a couple of questions here and I knew this would always happen because beforehand, Alex, you mentioned you're going to talk about video and and Tom, you had a video in your sequence as well. Um, people generally, the three channels they use the most are phone, emails, and voicemails. Those are like the classics, all right? Some people use LinkedIn as well. But people always get stuck with video and ask about that. So Alex, how might a video sound for yourself if you're reaching out to someone in a sequence? And also someone asked, uh, what kind of platform might you use to do that? Is it social? Is it a specific dedicated platform? Do you want yeah. to your video strategy? Yeah, um, I can talk about video for a while, but I think, uh, so I use Loom. We've already got, we've already got seven minutes, so just be careful. I've used Loom. I, I like Loom. Um, Vidyard works really well too. Uh, those are like the two popular ones that I think give you what you need, including the statistics behind it. Um, I know Vidyard has a bunch of integrations as well into to some of the major platforms. Uh, I, as far as like from a prospecting perspective, uh, try to keep it under 60 seconds. Um, stand up. Uh, you have a lot more energy. You can talk with your hands. I mean, the best thing about video is it's kind of a combination of everything. So it shows your face. It shows your intensity. It shows your passion. It shows your knowledge. I think the part that a lot of people don't think about is you actually don't want it like designed and curated and perfect. The rawness is what is what kind of sells the whole thing. So if you put ums and ahs and likes and you knows and all those types of things that people tend to do while they're just speaking... That actually works for your benefit because it shows you shows them that you're not a robot. And that's mm -hmm. half the battle of you're trying to compete against is you're a different type of seller. You're not a robot. You're not an AI bot. Like you're not, you're an actual real live person. And you can talk about that you know and show that you know what the hell you're saying. I, I, I think there's so many benefits to video outside of just prospecting, but it's one of the single greatest things that you can do to differentiate yourself nobody else is doing it. Or I should say there's such a small number of people doing it that it really, really stands out right now. It sometimes feels like a lot of people are doing it because the folks who attend webinars like these have probably heard video I mentioned before, right? But 
the folks who are naturally drawn to learn about this stuff are people who are, are looking to excel. The vast majority of sellers aren't doing those things still. Um, if I spoke to like eight C-level buyers last year to ask them about these things, they're like, I've got one video this entire year or one video quarter. I'll always watch it. Um, and the good thing about video is half the battle in sales is trying to make sure you don't look automated. It's real hard, although there, there are some AI tools trying to make a fake video. I like to do mine while I'm walking with my dog. I send LinkedIn videos the most part um, because I can do that on my mobile while I'm walking, right? That's, that shows your personality. It's a bit exciting. It, it shows it's not fake. You're being real. Definitely recommend making use of videos. In and you could drop it in email. You could drop it in social. You can drop it in Twitter and LinkedIn and whatever you want to do. I mean, I, make it in text. I mean, text is uh, a great area where if you're already on some kind of a text conversation, I mean, what better way to be able to pop up a, a quick 30, 45 second video, get your point across really fast. You don't have to analyze and scrutinize your, you know, your three lines in an email so much. Just get out what you want in a video and you can probably say more in a shorter amount of time. Love it. Tom, in your sequence, you had a couple of social steps uh, and we've referred to like engaging people in social beforehand. Mm -hmm. What are some examples of like, do you comment on people's LinkedIn posts or activities? That is that something you try and weave into your outbound cadences? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And one thing I want to just note on all, all these channels is that there's there's uh, it, it's clear that multi vehicle, you know, you're doing more than one way to reach someone is the is helps in your performance. Um, it's I've also seen that the best sellers, you know, dictate what they're going to do depending on what they're good at and what their buyer wants to receive. So if I'm reaching out to a head of sales, or if I'm reaching out to a procurement manager or someone in finance, I'm going to treat them differently. Yeah, I had a client last year that sold to farmers. Uh, you know who's not on their email much or LinkedIn? Farmers. Uh, you know what they do? They pick up the phone because they're in the field all day. They're always by their cell phone. They're down to chat for an hour and a half on a cell phone call. So 90%, 95% of meetings booked were from a, a, a mobile dial. Um, you know, likewise, I know people that make most of their pipeline from video or, or social. So adapt it to what your buyer wants to do and be where they are. So my buyers, I sell to sales leaders and I have for the last few years. They're on LinkedIn. Uh, we're all, everyone that's on this webinar is probably on LinkedIn a lot prospecting. And so I, I will comment on people's posts and play the long game. Um, I'll also, you know, I didn't want you comment more of like a, a chat more of like a social media, right? You know, it's like, I don't need a six sentence email. It's more like one sentence, ask a question, try to get a little banter back and forth. And if I feel like we're, we're vibing and there's something good happening, then I might ask for the meeting on the seventh exchange. But most of the time, it's a lot of like back and forth, feels more like a text than it does like a cor you know corporate email. Well, well, why don't you actually comment on someone's post? Because I hear a lot of people saying you should engage your prospects. Like, you know, let's say you see, you're trying to, prospect to me, right? And you see, I've made a LinkedIn post about site. How do you think about actually what you write there and make sure that it's not something you spend too much time thinking about? Yeah. I mean, I think the thoughtfulness is, is what matters. And so I would really save this type of engagement for like above the line or a prospects. Cause if you do this to the hundred, the 200 people in your sequence, it's going to take all day. But yeah. if, if someone's posting on LinkedIn, you know, if I'm trying to sell to Will and I see he's posting and he puts a video of his dog and he's talking about sales tactics, I'm going to watch the video and I want to drop my, my two cents. You know, I don't want to just say like nice video. I want to be like, Hey, Will, really appreciate what you shared on, on, uh, sales tactics. 
you know, I actually disagree with you a little bit, or I really like your point about this, or have you ever considered this, or maybe you might want to check out this podcast or this sell better episode that I was watching the other day, right? It's just, you're having a real conversation with someone and, um, and you're adding some sort of color that shows that you gave the effort. I think the effort is really what, what shows versus just commenting and being like, nice post exclamation. Beautifully said. We are coming up on time now. We've got one minute left. There are more questions that we didn't get to, but let's say folks want to come and connect to you. Maybe, you know, if, if you can tell me if this is all right or not, they can drop those questions to you if they have anything else. Where's the best place for them to find you, gents? Yeah, you can, uh, looks like they just put both of our LinkedIn's. You can DM Boom, me. Check the chat. Yeah, D- DM me on LinkedIn if you have questions. Um, and uh, Alex, I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn's good. Um, or check out my website, alexnewman.com. Either one works and will get a hold of me. Beautiful. Gentlemen, thank you so much for making my first ever Sell Better show that I'm hosting. So memorable, so actionable. There were so many questions in the chat. And Congrats, man. I've, I've, there was a ton of value there, folks. Um, head on over to sellbetter.xyz if you want to see future shows. Again, that one tomorrow with Leslie Douglas and a couple of awesome guests is on LinkedIn prospecting. So there's a few questions about that. Might help answer those. Otherwise, everyone have a fabulous day.